0: of prayer, and prayer does indeed cover each of these aspects of our theme. In 1 Timothy two eight, the Bible commands that men pray everywhere. We are called to pray, and when we don't, we are in opposition to our calling, and our calling must be renewed. In 2 Corinthians one eleven, Paul describes his deliverance from death, and he attributes it to God's help and, quote, ye also helping together by prayer for us. The church's character— and testimony of fervent prayer was so much that Paul didn't, had, he didn't doubt whose prayer helped him. He knew exactly who was praying for him. And if we are not a church that is known as being a praying church, we also need to renew our character. Finally, in Philippians 1.19, when Paul is having a rough go of it, he says, "'For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ.'" These people in Philippi were so committed to prayer that Paul didn't tell them like he told many other churches, brethren, pray for us, but rather, I know you people are praying for me. Out of all the churches I know, I know you guys are praying for me. Now, can anyone say that about us? If we weren't texting people telling them we were praying for them, could they know of a certainty that Paul did that we were, in fact, praying for them? Would they know of our commitment to prayer that we would be fervent and committed to it? Possibly. But here's the thing, we all know we need to pray, we've all been told we need to pray, and yet if you're human, you probably still have problems praying every once in a while. And what brought this topic to mind was a couple of years ago, a good friend of mine called me up, and he told me that he had his resume accepted by two different companies, and he wanted my advice on which one I thought he should apply for. I had no idea at all, so I did the nice Christian thing and said, what does the Lord want you to do? You know, it's a good answer when you don't know what to say. And he said, I have no idea. Now, we're good enough friends that I was able to say this, and I knew I wouldn't offend him, and I just said, well, have you prayed about it? And his answer to me was that he felt like God either wasn't hearing him or that God just wasn't responding to him, one or the other. And it occurred to me that both of these are possibilities, scary as they are, and tonight we're going to study the reasons we don't hear back from God. Let's go ahead and open up in prayer. Dear God, thank you for letting us be here on this Wednesday night. Thank you for allowing us to meet and fellowship with one another and to sing your praises. Please bless our hearts with the reading of your word, and be with us in all we do. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. We have two key passages that we're going to read from, and the first one is from Lamentations, Now, before you get your hopes up, no, this is not one of the lessons from Lamentations. That's been copyrighted already. So we had to have two main verses so that this is the lesson from Lamentations and Amos. But go ahead and start in the book of Lamentations, chapter 3. Lamentations, chapter 3. You probably have a nice crease in your Bible in this area. In verse 44, we see here a problem. Verse 44 says, Thou hast covered thyself with a cloud that our prayer should not pass through. So we see that it is possible that sometimes prayer does not pass through. And if that weren't scary enough, now turn to the book of Amos. I'll give you a little extra time since that's one of those books that we're not as familiar with. Amos, Obadiah, Joe. Amos chapter 8. The book of Amos chapter 8 When you get to chapter 8, look at verse 11, Amos 8, 11. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land. That sounds scary. But not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. So we also see that it's possible that sometimes we don't hear the answer from God. So we see two issues, both that result in the same problem. In Lamentations we find that the problem is that the prayers are not getting through to God. And in Amos, we see that sometimes the problem is God's response isn't being picked up by us. And either one of these issues is enough to create a famine in your life for hearing the words of the Lord. Now, living in the country we do, we're not as familiar with famines outside of a book or a Wikipedia article. I know it kind of got rough in April, May of last year for a small period of time, I couldn't find yeast or bread flour, but all I had to do was just drive to pedal to the discount grocery store and buy a pound of yeast and 25 pounds of bread flour. It wasn't a famine. I could just get it from somewhere else. And here where we live, you've got a grocery store, and if they don't have it, you can go to the convenience store. And if they don't have it, you can buy it online and wait five to eight business days, and it'll come to you. We don't understand the concept of a famine as it pertains to food and water, and we can praise the Lord for that, But what we're talking about tonight is something that I'm afraid that we are probably all too familiar with, and that is a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. And we have to ask ourselves, when was the last time we heard the Lord say something? I'm not talking about unanswered prayer and that you pray for something and God doesn't give it to you. I mean praying to ask God a question for advice, for direction, and not being able to hear a response or to get a response. Now, prophetically, we could apply these verses to Israel's blindness and feel great about ourselves. We could use it to describe the lost world and their apparent lack of concern for anything that God has said. But what we ought to do is what the Bible tells us to do, since all Scripture is profitable for many things. One of those things is reproof. And the first thing that we ought to do is to apply it to ourselves. And we have to think, how many times have we been here? You don't know when and you don't know how, but somehow or another you realize that you haven't heard God talk in a long time. It's hard to spot at first because it's so easy, easily done, but you realize, I I'm not even sure I remember what he sounds like. It's been so long since I've had that clear direction. And I'm sure none of you have ever done this, but have you ever gotten the silent treatment from somebody? And depending on your personality, that may not even be a punishment. But at some point, when you get the silent treatment, after long enough, your stomach gets kind of knotted up and you get uncomfortable, and it's like that in your prayer life sometimes. At some point, the silence between you and God becomes uncomfortable, and it starts to turn into a famine. Now, we don't have to get to that point to figure out how to get out of it, right? You don't have to get a flat tire to learn how to change it. You can learn how to do that beforehand. And it would be best for us, whether or not you are in a spiritual famine, or are not, to go ahead and make sure we are prepared against that day so that it doesn't happen to us. Now, when I was a kid, my brother and I were told by our parents that we were supposed to cut the grass if we wanted to continue living at our parents' house. And we had this lawnmower, I forget how many inches, it it was not many, maybe that wide or so, and that thing would not start. Every time you tried to start it, it was something else. But we finally narrowed it down that whenever it didn't start, it was almost always, almost always, one of four things. It was either the gas, the oil, the air filter, or the spark plug. If it didn't start, we knew there were only four things that it could be. Now, any of those four things were enough to cause the lawnmower not to start, but we had to go through the checklist to figure out what it was. And as best as I can tell, there are only two reasons why we don't hear back from God. Either as Lamentations Mentions, our prayers are not passing through, or as Amos describes, the answer isn't being picked up. Since communication requires both a call and response, either of those issues is enough to hinder renewal in our prayer life. And we'll go through this checklist of reasons we don't hear back from God. So the first issue we're going to cover the side of is when our prayers don't pass through. There are two explanations I found why this may actually be the case. The first explanation that our prayers don't pass through is quite simply because God can't hear us. Now, before you throw me out of the city and stone me with stones, God is all-powerful. He, he can do anything he wants to do. God has the ability to do anything. He possesses the ability to hear everything I say. And he's not only that powerful, he can hear everything that I think in my heart. But can I tell you that he can't hear what you don't say or think? He can't answer what you don't ask. You can't expect to hear back from God if you never actually talk to him. I'm amazed how many times in my own life it felt like God was avoiding me when it turned out I was the one who's refusing to seek his face. No wonder I wasn't hearing anything. I wasn't even trying. And I find it almost laughable that sometimes we have the audacity to claim that God isn't answering us when we never actually bothered to to ask him anything to answer. What did Jesus say about prayer? Ask and it shall be given. What is God's expectation before giving us something? That we actually ask for something. That's his order, ask and then receive. For illustration, over Thanksgiving some of our family was in town and two of my nieces came with their parents. They came to our house And one little one was just learning how to talk. And she was getting quickly good at it, unfortunately. But she saw that we had marshmallows on our counter. And it was quite apparent to anyone who was looking by the look on her face that she very clearly wanted a marshmallow or maybe wanted several marshmallows. But her mother, trying to instruct her on how to talk, said, Say marshmallow, please. And the child looked at her mother, knowing full well what she said, and then just looked back at the bag of marshmallows, and looked back as if she was waiting on something to be delivered. And her mother told her again, ask marshmallow, please. And she didn't. And so she sits there looking pouty-faced for 15 minutes, wondering why she's not eating a marshmallow. And then what happens next? Her older sister comes along and says, Mom, can I please have a marshmallow? And her mom says, of course, here, have a couple. And that is what does it this child jumps up, runs to her mother, and says, marshmallow, please, as loud as she can. What happened? She saw that she had to communicate something in order to get something. And before you call child safety on me, let's go ahead and relate this to our own lives. Doesn't God do the same thing with us? In Matthew chapter 6, verse number 8, God says he knows what we have need of before we ask. That just shows you how powerful he is. Before we even know what we need, he knows what we need. Great let's just go home and expect to get it. Well, no, because in one chapter later, in Matthew chapter seven, verse seven, he tells us to go ahead and ask for those things anyway. Now, doesn't that seem a bit peculiar? He told us he already knows what we need, and then he tells us to ask for it anyway. It was the same story with my niece. We knew she wanted a marshmallow, but we told her the conditions by which she had to abide in order to get them. And When we refuse to operate on God's standards of communication, we cannot be surprised when he refuses to cooperate. He gave us his terms and conditions, ask and receive. If we're not willing to ask, there's no reason that we should receive an answer. Now, why does God do this? Maybe he just wants to hear from us. Maybe, I speculate that the God who loved you enough to die for you and to take away your sins just wants to hear from you once in a while, maybe even when you don't need something. Now, is it okay to pray to God for things we need? Absolutely, the Bible tells us to. but also says that we can offer up thanksgiving and praise, but when was the last time we were willing to do that? We're, we're very quick to treat him like Santa and ask for a list of things, but how many times do we actually talk to him maybe like a person and just communicate with him throughout the day? What does the Bible say? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding, in all thy ways acknowledge him. You don't necessarily have to need something to talk to God. You can just acknowledge him throughout the day and say, oh, Lord, I'm going to this place, please help me. I don't like the DMV, just get me through this. Or you can just say, wow, Lord, this is a beautiful day. Look at all these raindrops coming out of the sky for three months you, you don't have to need something to talk to God. You can just talk to Him, acknowledge Him in your life. Now, there's nothing wrong with asking God for things, but we have to ask ourselves, do we even do that? Do we even take that step to ask for things? For some reason, we don't mind venting to our friends and to our co-workers and to our families about how bad of a day we had. And we might even tell random people on the street who probably don't even care, what all we've had to go through today. But we never actually bring it to the one who can actually do anything about it. We just want to tell other people. But God is the only one who probably cares as much as you would want somebody to care about any story you tell. The Bible says plainly in Matthew 7, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. As Christians, good Baptists, sometimes we like to, to make a big deal of the whosoever's in the Bible, and that's a fine thing. We say, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, and you get all the amens. Yeah, that whoso- I'm a whosoever, you're a whosoever. But then when the Bible says that every one that asketh receiveth, suddenly we start pumping the brakes. Well it doesn't mean that. It's, it's talking about salvation only. Uh, that's a conditional statement. That, that doesn't refer to everyone or everything. And yes, I'm familiar with the prosperity preachers who, who abuse these verses and, and say that God made promises he didn't. But we can't take the opposite extreme and pretend this isn't in the Bible. This is his word, and he said, Everyone that asketh, receiveth. And our first checklist off our list should be did we ask? If we aren't receiving any information back from heaven, first we have to ask ourselves, did we even ask him anything to begin with? So if you're not hearing back from God, make sure that you actually asked him something. He's not too busy to listen to you, so why are we so busy that we can't talk to him? Okay, well maybe that's not your problem. Maybe you are praying. You pray night and day, and you still don't hear back from God. You may have problems with prayer, but it's, it's not for lack of trying you do pray. In that case, there's a second explanation for why your prayers don't pass through to God. It may actually be that God won't hear you. Now, you might be thinking, great, we just covered this point. He's gone crazy. No. How many times have you been in the class and you ask your teacher, hey, can I do this thing? And the teacher always, always, always says, I don't know, can you, right? Can refers to the ability. God cannot hear what you don't say but he can hear what you do say. However, sometimes he has the ability to choose not to listen to what he's hearing. He will not hear you. That is, he intentionally refuses to listen. It's a legal term. If you go to court, there's a judge, and if you appear before the judge, he will, as they say, hear your case. But if he doesn't think this case is worth his time, he throws it out, and it is said that he will not hear it. So, there are some conditions in which God will not hear us. That is not to say he can't, he has the ability to, but for some reason, he's choosing to dismiss them. You can go ahead and turn to the book of Psalms, Psalm 66. The book of Psalms is a great book about prayer. It includes prayers of those mentioned. It also includes information about prayer and we see a very key piece of information about prayer in Psalm 66 in verse 18. The Bible says in Psalm 66:18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Now the Bible again it doesn't say that he cannot hear you, but that he will not. He is choosing not to listen to you. Why? If I regard iniquity in my heart, Now, notice those two key phrases, if and regard. It is not saying, when I sin, he will not hear me, because if that were the case, we would never be able to ask for forgiveness. The Bible says that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins if we confess them. So clearly, that's not what it's saying. But if I regard iniquity, he will not hear me. Well, what on earth does a big word like regard even mean? It's very simply to look upon favorably, or literally, to look at again, or to continue looking at. That is why we are told to repent and turn from our sin. It's very difficult to continue to look at something that you've turned away from. But when we refuse to turn away from it, we have created the circumstances by which God refuses to hear our prayers. And it's not that he doesn't love you. It's it's not that he hates you, but he refuses to hear you only so long as you refuse to give up your sin. After all, what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? None whatsoever. Because the second you turn away from your sin and you turn your eyes upon Jesus to regard him, that's when he will hear your prayers. And I know that may sound a bit iffy, so don't take my word for it. We're going to flip to a couple of places. Go ahead and turn to the book of James. We'll see Uh, a little bit more detail on this sort of a thing. What does it mean that God won't hear me? I don't know about all that. Well, go to the book of James. Hebrews, James, 1 Peter. Book of James chapter 2, we see a very, uh, or the book of James chapter 4, not chapter 2, chapter 4, we see a very familiar passage that we've probably all heard at some point or another. If you look at the very end of verse 2, We see the phrase, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. And that refers to what we mentioned earlier, when God cannot hear you because you just never asked him anything. But verse 3 gives us the explanation for why God will not hear us. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Then keep reading. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God." Now what looks like two completely unrelated statements are tied together, they're inseparable. What God is saying is, I can hear your prayer, you are praying to me, but you've got too much of the world in you for me to be able to bear it. That's why he follows it up with, he ask amiss, being friends with the world is being an enemy of God. God cannot hear the prayer of someone who's too filled with the world to turn from their sins. It just doesn't get through to him and when we are too stubborn to turn away and repent and to ask for forgiveness god said it's not worth his time to hear it now before uh, we move on let's just think we have a nasty habit of regarding iniquity we do and that habit leads us to disregarding god because you cannot regard both you cannot look at both and both treat both favorably and we can in our pride say, oh, well, God may refuse to listen to other people, but he would never refuse to hear my prayers. There's nothing I could possibly do to do that. And that would be the case if we were able to define iniquity according to our own righteousness. But such is not the case. If you're still in the book of James, turn to your right to the book of First Peter. The book of First Peter tells us about a very high form of iniquity that causes a hindrance to our prayers. It's not actually murder. It's not actually theft. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Well, isn't that a weird thing to say? I thought he was going to say that these iniquities were going to be really, really awful things. But this doesn't sound so bad. In fact, this hypothetical husband here hasn't actually done anything wrong. In fact, the explanation is that he is just neglected to do something, and the neglection of fulfilling something is what caused his prayer to be hindered. So you're telling me that when I neglect to have patience with my spouse and I hold a grudge that God counts that as regarding iniquity? Well, it leads to him refusing to hear your prayers, so I would say that fits the qualifications. Not only that, a spouse is supposed to give honor. Now, I could be wrong, and I've been wrong before, but I would say that either spouse talking bad about the other one to somebody else is not very honorable. In fact, I might even say that complaining about your spouse to somebody else is dishonorable. And I can hear the self-justification because I've said it myself. Well, I don't mean it. Obviously, that's just the culture. We like to blame our sins on the culture and pretend it's okay. Men get together and talk bad about their wives. Women get together, talk bad about their husbands. It's just the circle of life. Maybe, but it's a pretty big risk to gamble your prayers not being heard on. And I don't know about you, but it's not worth it. Make sure that you are fulfilling your duties as a spouse. Again, this is not that he, this husband has done anything to his wife, but that he's neglected to do things. He's neglected to give honor. And we can take from this that, that the Bible says that we are to treat our spouses with love, attention, and respect because they are entitled to it by God. Otherwise, he will not hear our prayers. Aha, you say, <laughs> but I'm not married, or I never mistreat my spouse. That's okay, I've got something for you too. Turn to Matthew, the book of Matthew, The book of Matthew, we're going to go to chapter 5, and we're going to see some things that Jesus said. The book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. Verse 23, we're picking up. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First, be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. We see in the Bible several times that prayer is referred to as something that is given to God and that is offered up to him. And if we were to take that as the application in this context, we would say that if there's something wrong with somebody and somebody else, and it comes to that person's mind that God says, hey, uh, hold up on your prayers and go fix that real quick, and we'll get back to talking. Now, we see that big word there be reconciled to thy brother. That's a big word. Well, when you were saved, God, Jesus, reconciled your sin, and he made things right between you and God the Father. What was once at, at war, he made at peace. He made what was wrong right. That's what reconciliation is. And if we take the Bible at face value, in 2 Corinthians five nineteen to 20, the Bible says that we, as Christians, have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Now, we have a bus ministry, praise the Lord. We have an RU ministry, praise the Lord. We have all sorts of ministries, and we can praise the Lord for them. But do we have a ministry of reconciliation? Are we right with those around us? Now, Jesus said that we are supposed to be. And obviously, you can't remember everyone that's ever wronged you and everyone that you've ever wronged, but the Bible says if or when you remember. The, the old saying is that if you have a clear conscience, that's a sign of a bad memory. That may be the case, but at least those are the t- terms and conditions God gives us. He doesn't say you have to be right with everyone that's ever wronged you, but he says, hey, if it comes up to your mind, that's me, and I want you to get it right, and that's something that we're supposed to do. Let's, let's think. Are you still bitter at that person who did that thing that you can't even remember? Do you need to forgive someone like God forgave you? Otherwise, you can't honestly be surprised when you go through a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. Does that one person even know why you're mad at them? Or do you just treat that individual with contempt and expect him to know what he did? have the spiritual fortitude to actually address the problem and reconcile it instead of just dwelling in it. If you have wronged someone, tell them what you did and tell them that God wants you to be reconciled. And this works for both sides. If someone else has wronged you, find that person. Tell them that you apologize for being bitter against them. That's really the only reason you probably would remember what they've done against you. Regardless of who was wrong, make it right. That's what reconciliation is. Will God hear your prayers? He could. Do you regard iniquity in your life? Are you living in sin? Well, pray for forgiveness. Turn your eyes back on him and stop regarding iniquity. Regard God. Are you treating your spouse honorably? If not, you need to apologize and do better. Are you right with those around you? If not, you need to make things right. Don't let something someone else did mess with your prayers. We need far too much to let anything get in the way of our prayers. And that may sound like a daunting task that we'll never accomplish, but remember how that passage in Psalm 66 ends. He says, "'If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me, but verily God hath heard me. He hath attended his voice to my prayer.' Blessed be God which has not turned away my prayer nor his mercy from me. We can see here from the Scriptures that it is possible to be heard from God, and we can praise the Lord for it. He, he intercedes for us. He prays for the things that we don't even know to pray for. But we have to make sure that we are a clean vessel, and that we are a vessel unto honor that can offer these praise, these prayers to God. Now, those are the first two items off our checklist. You may, it may be that God can't hear you. It may be that God won't hear you. And that's one side of the problem. Your prayers aren't getting through. But maybe that's not the issue. Maybe your prayers are actually getting through, but you just aren't hearing the response. If that's the case, it might not be that God won't hear you. He will hear you. But it might be that you just won't hear God. That is, you are not listening. It reminds me of this one time. There's a guy who went to the doctor and he says, Doc, my wife can't hear a thing I say. And the doctor says, how bad is it? And he goes, I don't know. And so the doctor says, well tell you what, when you go home, stand 20 feet away from her and ask her something. Don't let her see your lips, just ask her. She doesn't respond, walk to 10 feet and ask her something. She doesn't respond, get right next to her and ask her. And that way we can gauge and see how bad her hearing is. So the man says, man, that's a great idea, so he walks home and he stands about 20 feet away from where his wife is sitting and he says, honey, what's for dinner? Nothing. Walks to 10 feet away. Honey, what's for dinner? Nothing. Gets right behind her and he says, honey, what's for dinner? And his wife turns around and said, for the third time, we're having meatloaf. What's the problem there? He thought she wasn't talking, but the problem was she was, he just wasn't listening. And that's the case with us many, many times. Zechariah 7, 8 tells us of this sad situation when people are wondering why God won't speak to them while actively choosing not to listen to him. In verse 8, it says, And the word of the Lord came unto Zechariah, saying, verse 9, Thus be, say, speaketh the Lord of hosts. Then you drop down to verse 11. What, what was their response? What did they say to these words of the Lord that they were so desperately in need of? But they refused to hearken, that word hearken, the first four letters of that word are here. To hearken is to hear. They refused to hearken, pulled away the shoulder, and stopped their ears that they should not hear. What a sad state. See, God was talking to them. He was talking through a man preaching his word, but they just didn't like what he was saying or how he was saying it, so they just tuned him out. But it wasn't just him. If we looked back at verse seven, we would see that Zechariah was only saying what all the prophets before him had been saying the entire time. He wasn't the only one they were ignoring. In fact, they weren't ignoring him, they were ignoring who sent him. And the whole while they wonder, why isn't the Lord not talking to us? Why won't we, why doesn't he communicate with us? Well, he is communicating, it's just that they weren't listening. People said they wanted to hear from God, But when God spoke through his word and through his prophets, they didn't like what he said. And as a result of their intentional ignorance, God kept repeating the same message instead of sending a new one. Now, what is the application here? Stop. We have to stop expecting God to send us a new message if we haven't responded to the last one he sent us. He will not tell you what to do next if you have not responded to what he told you to do now that's the way God works. He doesn't give you the 10-step plan. He tells you the one-step plan, do this. And you say, okay, but what, what next? Do this. Yeah, I, I know that, but after I do that, what do I do? Do this. And then we get frustrated as if the Lord isn't talking to us, when in reality, He has been talking and saying the same thing over and over and over again, but we've just been too stubborn to listen. There's a prime example of this in the life of Saul, In 1 Samuel 15, we see the story of Samuel telling Saul everything that God wanted him to do, and God's instructions were to completely wipe out the Amalekites and their flock and destroy everything they had. Well, Saul could hear, but he wasn't listening, because when Samuel came back, suddenly Agag is still alive, there's sheep over there, and the place isn't even completely torn down. And what does Samuel say to Saul? Saul? The exact same thing he told him beforehand. Did the Lord not say to you that you need to do this, do that, do the other? Why was Samuel saying that? Because the message hasn't changed. He still needed to complete what God wanted him to complete. And we see that that's the last time that Samuel talks to Saul until Saul goes to consult Samuel's spirit. And you might find it interesting that when Saul communed with the spirit of Samuel to ask for his advice way after Samuel had died, Many years later, Samuel's response was, Because thou obeyedst not the voice of the Lord, nor executest his fierce wrath upon Amalek, therefore hath the Lord done this thing unto thee this day. Saul wasn't even asking about that. He was asking, What to do about the Philistines? What do I do about David? And God's message to him was the exact same message he had sent them all those years ago You should have wiped them out. You should have done it the way I told you to do it. And what happens? Saul still doesn't listen. He could have used this opportunity to say, you know what, if I do die, I need to at least make this right and fulfill what God told me to do all those years ago. But like he did before, he just wouldn't listen to what God said. And he never got a second message after that. So, how do we apply that to our lives? The Bible is very clear in Titus 1:3 that God hath manifested his word through preaching. The Bible is very clear in Romans 10:8. That His word is nigh unto thee, even thy mouth and thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. According to the Bible, a common way to hear God speak is through preaching, specifically preaching of the word. But how many times do we skip church and miss what God wanted to tell us? And then we have the audacity to say that God isn't speaking. Oh, He's speaking, He's always speaking. But are we listening? And then we have to go get counseling on something that was preached about many times, but just on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night, that we just didn't show up to hear. What happened? We weren't there to hear it. We can't blame God for not speaking if we won't even bother showing up to hear it. But let's say for the sake of argument that you show up to every service, you show up to every service, you come to church faithfully, you hear the man of God preaching the word about sin, and then you go home and you do nothing about it. And you go back to church Sunday night and he preaches on sin and you do nothing about it, and you go back Wednesday night, and he preaches on sin, and you do nothing about it. Well, at some point or another, you're just going to stop going to church because they always preach on the same thing. Always. They always preach on the same thing. Why? Because if we were listening, they wouldn't have to preach on it anymore. That's why. If you've heard a sermon twice, you ought to say, Lord, help me. (laughs) I need to figure out whatever you're trying to tell me because this is kind of getting old, right? If you listen to what he's saying, he'll send you a new message, but if we ignore what God says, he's just going to continue telling us what he already told us. Furthermore, we see that if we take this a step further, Proverbs 28.9 informs us that he that turneth away his hear from hearing, hear, ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. And a similar passage is mentioned in Zechariah 7.13. Notice the precise wording in Proverbs. Not he that turneth away from doing, or he that turneth away from reading, But he that turneth away from hearing the law. When we refuse to listen to God long enough, God eventually refuses to listen. It's a cycle. If we refuse to listen to Him, He's going to refuse to listen to us, and we're way back at step two. Now we've got to get something right and stop regarding iniquity for Him to hear us. What do we do? We have to acknowledge what He's told us to do and do something about it. For example, There was a time in my life that I didn't really much care about what type of movie or TV shows I watched, and we all have some arbitrary standard that we set, and mine was pretty low. And, you know, it has profanity in it, but I know I'm not gonna say those things. It it can't hurt me. And I always thought that those people who talked about what shows not to watch and movies were just a little uptight. But I was watching one show, and one of the characters comes out, as the world says, and it bothered me. And so I actually prayed to God, and I said, God, I shouldn't be watching this. Uh, Forgive me. And then the next thing you know, I'm watching something else. I say, well, adultery is just as bad as sodomy, and I really can't watch this either. And then the next thing you know, well, blasphemy is uh, one of the Ten Commandments, just like adultery. I can't really justify watching this either. What happened? You take one step, and you listen to what God says, and then he tells you something else and then you take another step, and he gives you more information. And so rather than saying, well, I don't feel bad about what I watch, that's not a good thing. That means you're not listening. What you need to do is say, God, what am I watching? What am I listening to? What am I saying? And he might only tell you one thing, and that's fine because all you have to do is that one thing. And then when you do it, he'll tell you what to do next. It's a very simple process that we sometimes just refuse to cooperate with. So if you're not hearing from God, the problem isn't on his side. You need to start listening to what he already said. Be at church. Be in Sunday school. Read your Bible regularly. Be doers and hearers of the word. And see if God doesn't speak to you after that. So it may be that you won't hear God, but the last point may not be that you won't hear God, but that you just can't hear God. See, it might be that he's actually been talking for a while and you just can't hear what he's saying. You hear other people talk about hearing from the Lord and you're like, these people are crazy. I haven't heard any voice audibly talk to me either. You'll learn to recognize the voice of the Lord when you're familiar with it. But, as we mentioned, God speaks through preaching, but preaching is foolishness to them that don't believe. Before you got saved, you were spiritually dead, and your spiritual condition kept you in darkness until one day the light of the gospel shined on your heart. And the moment of your salvation, when you asked God to save you, you were given a number of things, one of which was the Holy Spirit. And that's a really helpful thing to have for a number of reasons, specifically if you want to communicate with God back and forth. And 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. What does that mean? It means that God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. But the fleshly carnal man cannot understand what the spirit of God is saying. And so he needs the Holy Spirit as the adapter to allow him to communicate with him. And so if it's not that God can't hear you, and it's not that God won't hear you, and it's not that you won't actively refuse to listen to what God says, the only other alternative is that you can't hear him. And if you can't hear him, you might want to ask, have you been born again? Have you ever confessed your sin to God and asked Jesus to forgive you? If not, that may explain why you don't even know what God sounds like. Wouldn't you like to hear what he's saying? I can tell you what he's saying right now if that's the case. Repent and be saved. It's a very simple message. And he will say that over and over again. The Bible says, he that hath ears, let him hear what the Spirit saith. The only way you can hear what the Holy Spirit is saying is to have him in your heart. And the only way to get a hold of him is to accept God's free gift of salvation. The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says, ask and ye shall receive. God is listening. God wants to hear you. But are you willing to hear him? Can you hear God? Will you hear God? Will God hear you? And can he hear you? If not, you need to make sure you get it right before you leave tonight. This is Wednesday night, prayer meeting, and we have a lot to pray about. We have a lot of people to pray about. And these things are too important for us to let anything get in the way of our prayers. So let's go ahead and pray, and we'll have our invitation.